Welcome back to the show. We're about to learn the secret sauce. Well, appreciate you coming over the bridge, Yana. Oh, so fun. I yeah, love I like, love I love the East Bay. I grew up on the East Bay. Yes. So. And we were we were just talking about this. So you grew up in Berkeley. Yes. They said so you go like Berkeley High? Uh no, just a no. Uh, like small little private school. Private school, okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. So were your parents and how'd they get the like I'm always fascinated people who grew up here. Yeah. Um just luck. I, I don't know. I always think about life. Like there's just these like little m- macro micro moments in your life, right? Where you're like, okay, how did we end up here? Uh, my parents escaped from communism. They grew up in Ch- Czechoslovakia, okay. uh, really tough life. Uh, so in 85, they ended up in Boise, Idaho, where I was born. <laughs> okay. Um, but they're like, we didn't spend a year trying to escape and get to America. So we had an uncle that lived in Piedmont. And so we ended up in, in California and then just... Piedmont, yeah. Yeah. And just lucky ended With, uh, up here. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, from, yeah. he's from Piedmont. It's, yeah. I know that because my daughter goes to preschool in Piedmont. <laughs> and I know the whole history. I know the place where everyone gets their wedding and the small little police station. It's a lovely little spot. Like, yeah. One day, and maybe I'll, uh, I'll have enough to drop the whole well, offer down. I mean, I think your your startup's gonna skyrocket. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, I'm gonna quote that. <laughs> Excellent. So for the Bay Area, but you have been in startups. Like you've been in tech. You're not an engineer, no. correct? But you've been in tech, and you've been in a lot of early like cool companies as well. So like. Can I ask a question? How'd you get to tech? I know. Um, so I graduated college in 2008. Uh, uh, from where? I was at the University of Denver. Okay. And I was living in Colorado and I just couldn't find a job. Again, it was during the great financial crisis. Yeah, uh, we graduated at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And all of us graduated and, and all of our jobs got pulled, all of our... And so so I just, I moved back um, and I ended up finding my first job, just customer support. Like yeah. it was just my first tech job. I was doing customer support, such an important role. Um, and that's kind of where I just started to like work my way up. I, like It's interesting because I'm not technical. I didn't study engineering. I studied marketing uh, and finance. Um, but I was but able to- I have to- a finance degree. Oh. Yeah, I only studied finance and uh, it was a wrong time to have a finance degree. Yes. <laughs> that too. Um, and then really I got my first start at a company called Engine Yard. And that to me is where I learned about like the open source world, Ruby on Rails. That's where I really made friends with a lot of uh, pretty incredible developers. Uh, and I'll, I also moved to San Francisco in 2008. And wow. so, so being able to be here, like uh, GitHub started, Slack was down the road, Stripe, like all these companies that we like love and use today that are massive. Yeah. Did you sign up for a Twitter account around then? Uh, I signed up in like March of 2009. Okay. Yeah. So pretty, pretty early. I remember when it was, because uh, I would watch a bunch of YouTubers back in the day when I was in college and they'd have like the, the bird noise in the background. Uh, I forgot what Twitter client it was, but it was like, oh, what's that bird noise? Like, oh, it's this thing called Twitter. Yeah. Everyone's on it. An RIP Tweetbot. Yes, Tweetbot. I love Tweetbot. Man, but shout out to today's, the recording day is when they open source the algorithm. Wow. Uh, which is, uh, who would have thought? They did it. They, Elon, good on you. I know, I know. I love Twitter. It's interesting to go back and, and think about how we used social media. Like when Twitter yeah. came, uh, came out, I was just, it was just my friends and I. Yeah. Like tweeting like, hey, come over for a barbecue or yep. like, here's a photo of my dog. And then to like what it is today. <laughs> now it's like NIMBY stuff and uh, yeah. politics and sports, <sighs> Yeah, which is, it, it's great that like, Twitter eventually, they're still trying to figure their way, but like they found their way previously. And uh, like, I remember specifically when I really started using Twitter, it was the Google Reader had shut down. 
And mm. the answer was, if you want RSS, just like follow people on Twitter, like follow all the, the journalists on Twitter and you can get what you got in RSS. Not the same, but it was like a different experience. And that's where I jumped in like 2012-ish, 2011. Uh, cause I'd always had like a, you know, I had the, uh, the side Twitter so I could follow the NBA players, but yeah. that was about it. That's all I used it for. Well, my favorite. So I just, I now just use my account kind of to troll a bit. So I'm never serious <laughs> on it, but I had a tweet about like dating in San Francisco go a bit viral. And so, uh, a person on the product team at Twitter reached out to me and was like, Hey, how can we make Twitter better for for dating and I was like oh I was totally kidding I was like I was like absolutely not and then I was like here are the four use cases that I use Twitter for please like keep it <laughs> and this was like two weeks ago oh two weeks ago <laughs> yeah, this was wow. two weeks ago <laughs> oh they have product team members there I thought they got rid of all this yep okay I here looked we him are. up he works at Twitter he's oh, good, good, for, there. good for them uh I'm still I mean I actually got my first job uh, from Twitter um and I got a, my first interview really string of interviews from Twitter because I was tweeting my blog. Uh, so again, going back to like RSS, it's not really a centralized Google reader anymore. And I had people reach out and say, hey, why don't you interview for this role? I'm like, you could do that? Like, I came from a world, 2008 is when I graduated, where you could not hand your resume to anybody and they would look at it. And then, well, and behold, only four years later, I was able to like tweet something in a blog and someone would give me a job. Yeah. Uh, so fascinating. And anyway, but that's such a great yeah. point. It, I, I mentor a lot of people now. Uh, and I think just having kind of an online presence and yeah. what your online brand is, is really important. Or, or people are like, oh, Yana, you have such a big like online brand now. But I'm like, I've spent years working on it. Like I've really kind of kicked it off in like 2020 where I was like, okay, everything kind of shifted. So it's like, I wrote a book, I started blogging, I started like a video. So it's like, it, it's not easy, but, but you can do it, right? Like what is your coherent message online, right? Like who, like, what are you trying to put out there? I think is important. Yeah. And you do a great job of that. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I, I, and it's a thing is like also very similar to 2020. I think I had like maybe f I did have like four to 5,000 Twitter followers, but mainly developers that because I went to conferences and stuff like yeah. that, but never really took it seriously where I was like, had a curated, I still don't feel like I have a curated content stream, but after 7 PM, that's where I have, that's where like the B Dougie comes out. I, ha I actually had a tweet about, uh, cause what if Paltrow had her, her whole um, thing, skiing yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, wow. Gwyneth could never act out of a cardboard box. And, and then the, the next tweet was like the picture of seven, <laughs> which uh, spoiler. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I normally would not tweet something like that, but I thought it was really funny at like nine o'clock at night. And uh, I got a couple, a couple likes. Uh, I didn't go viral or anything like that. Yeah. I might delete it later. <laughs> I think it's so good. Yeah. I'm like, what gets picked up these days? It's interesting. So yeah. But anyway, Speaking of picked up, you uh, you picked up. <laughs> <laughs> you took an Uber, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, talking about Engine Yard, so you did customer support at Engine Yard? That was your yes, first role? Yes, customer support and then community. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? Like growing up, I was I was always really good at, I was just or, always organized. I was always like the person that, in the group of friends that would plan trips or have spreadsheets. And then I was always just very empathetic and loved people. Yeah. And you're like, well, how do I make a job out of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, at a startup like Engine Yard, which folks, you kind of explained it, but like it was like kind of like the, literally the engine behind Ruby on Rails uh, hosting and also sponsored. I don't know if they ran events, but they sponsored a ton. You know, that's actually where I learned 
like the fundamentals of community building because yeah. we were just doing them right there was no term for community building back then there was no template really um of course there were a few like you had red hat and mongo i guess right you had a few kind of companies that that had open source and built businesses around open source but you didn't have a big model then and engineered we weren't open source uh, we had like a pass um that yeah. you could deploy your apps to um but we were just doing things naturally we we're like oh well we should probably hire open source contributors to continue working on the projects uh, to continue advancing Ruby on Rails. And, oh, we should probably sponsor open source contributors. Like yeah. we sponsored Mitchell to work on Vagrant one summer. Um, oh, we should probably like host meetups at our office and bring people together and, and like sponsor like beer and pizza. Oh, we should probably be at conference. So we just started doing all the things naturally that are now part of like the playbook on how you build developer communities. Yeah. And like it had all the pieces because you mentioned Mitchell in passing, Mitchell Hashimoto. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Mitchell Hashimoto, <laughs> founder of HashiCorp. Yeah. <laughs> but it, when I learned Ruby on Rails back in like 2012, I Vagrant was like how you basically, like, you, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it was a thing I had to have installed. <laughs> to get this thing deployed to at the t at the time it was Heroku is what I think at the first place I deployed to yeah and uh, it was the amazing part is like I didn't have to understand anything about the server anything about hosting I could just write the Ruby code and a little bit of jQuery to get what I needed to get done and see it live in production and years prior like the reason why I have a finance degree is because I was a tinkerer in computers but never thought I could do it it's the whole like I don't see myself in the space so let me go to a place that makes money which yeah. is finance and then I learned really quickly after leaving school or graduating is that you could just do it just by Googling and, and finding it. So like what Engineered and Ruby and Rails and even like the eventually what HashiCorp was that they put enough out there in the ether that you had the breadcrumbs to like, you know, I'm just, I, I learned what code was and I learned you can do websites or web apps. There's like enough that I can Google to get done. And now you have ChatGPT where you can just like ask ChatGPT to the three steps to deploy. Yeah. It's, a, it's great times. But yeah, so the so community management doing uh, engineering was like sponsoring events. Yeah. It was like building the groundwork of what was like Twitter, which is a Ruby on Rails product. Um, Airbnb came a little years later. But yeah. all these like, all, every every company in Soma, Pinterest, another one, uh, which was Python, but still Django, same, same sort of ecosystem, just different language. Now there's like a path to like, I can build an entire company, a startup. I can grow community i can do consulting and build one-off apps like it impressed me so much because um sorry i don't know if you know the other half of my story i was actually getting my mba while i was doing sales because that's what i landed in yeah. after school and i went to the entrepreneur track and i was like oh i can build a company with no brick and mortar like i can just like have an, an app on the iphone and be successful. So like that, that's what I would, I did. And I love your, me. like your whole story. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's a very, lot of, yeah. there's a lot of pieces to the story that I have out there in the world. Uh, Code Newbie podcast, uh, episode number two. Yeah. Um, that I share it because I, I think it, it belongs to like people to, to know, but like, I love hearing other people's stories and yeah. how, how they got to where they are. And like, well, I think you and I really started talking because uh, we were both angel investors in Medusa. Yeah. Like, I think yes. that was like, of course, I'd heard of you tangentially uh, just through like the work you were doing. But I think that was our first real like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. And it's I just love uh, and I was doing angel investing because I wanted to learn like the sort of secret sauce behind like starting early companies. Yeah. And it was like it was never about like, oh, man, this company is going to be 10 billion dollars and 
like I'm going to be rich. And, and the truth of angel investing is it's just yeah. You put a bunch of bets out there and like maybe one hits. Um, but in reality, it was like I just want to be close to founders and like learn their story because the other I, I actually got a job uh, after learning how to code into a startup because like I don't know if I can do my own thing. So I'm just going to work for startups for close to nine years. And now open source exists. But it's absolutely amazing. So sorry, I want to go back to, to yeah. you'd mentioned Mitchell Hashimoto. That was your first interaction with him? Uh, I just like met him like yeah. tangentially at like a meetup or just had heard of him back then. But that was that was a long time ago. Okay. But I actually want to go back to what you said um, about just I still remember when I moved to SF in 2008 and, and it kind of feels it's, it's so I just moved back here a month ago and I just remember back then, right, where it's just like there was just this drive to build products, yeah. right? It, it like even at HashiCorp. We never talked about that one day we would be a publicly traded company. One day yeah. we'd be a billion dollars. That that was never right. It was just like Mitchell and Armand and, and the early team, like they just had this obsession with like building better provisioning tools, building better security tools, right? Because like we were here in Soma meeting with Stripe and GitHub and all the companies. And it's just like I, I Armand, Armand always said he, he was like talking to those early teams and they would spend 20 to 30% of engineering resources just like building things that yeah. were made to their product. Yeah. And so there was, and that's like kind of as an investor now, right? I really look for those people that are just so obsessed and it's uh, about solving a problem that, yes. that, that they, that they've been thinking about for, for a really long time. Yeah. And even at HashiCorp, <laughs> right? There was never the motivation of like, like we would raise a round of funding, maybe just for a minute, talk about it, what it meant and then move on. Like there yeah. was never like, Oh, now we're like a unicorn company. We would never pause to think about that because it's just like, I mean, Mitchell and Armand started the company in 2013 and we didn't go public till what, 2021. Yeah. So it's like, I think this is all just like such a long game. Right. Uh, and I think the last kind of five years and just this, you know, bull market yeah. and just like VC money being thrown around like crazy. Right. I think people kind of forgot of like, Oh, to build a really healthy, sustainable business. It takes a long time. Yeah. And that's the, it's the, the thing that, um, I think everyone sort of talks about being excited about is that everything's come back to earth a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, so you, when you approach problems, you approach problems that actually are sustainable. Yes. Uh, so like when I moved to SF in like 2015, it was, everything was a delivery app. So it was like Uber, uh, Lyft, and then there was like the the sidecar was like the third one. Yeah. And so they had figured out, okay, taxi cabs has been disrupted. Uh, the next thing is now delivery because uh, it was DoorDash and Grubhub and all these other delivery apps. And then it was also the marijuana delivery and then the laundry delivery. And then everything was like delivery, delivery, delivery. And it's because, like, I guess capital was a bit, it wasn't as cheap as it was a couple years ago. But How many scooter companies can we have? Also, yeah. I love this is called, like, secret sauce. I almost feel like it's hot sauce because I'm, like, <laughs> my back is burning and I'm sweating. I'm okay, but I'm, like, I feel like I'm a bit on the hot seat. So yes. if I'm getting redder, it's because. <laughs> yeah, end of the day, this is uh, this is when it really gets heated up. Now I'm going to ask the hard questions. <laughs> wow. I'm, like, the lights are on us. I'm just, like, sweating a bit. So I hope my yeah. hair is still looks good <laughs> it does it, it does but i'm definitely like getting rosy oh my god <laughs> okay well, well we, we could speed it up then. no no it's okay it's like <laughs> yeah it's it's the it's the well it's not exposed brick because it's painted brick yeah, but then yeah. you've got the old school windows that have i just been feel it myself like getting hotter like i'm like okay <laughs> excellent yeah um so how'd you get the job at, at hashicorp then yeah um i've 
I've done six early stage startups now. Oh, six? Okay. Yeah. I'm, Do you want to rattle off the, oh all the gosh. ideas? Oh, my gosh. So I did a company called Jivox, which is an online advertising firm. Uh, then I was at Engine Yard. Uh, then I was at a company called StackMob uh, that was a backend as a service for mobile apps. Okay. Um, God, where else did I work? I was at a company called New Relic. Oh, I'm familiar. Uh, as you know. That one made it. Yes. Uh, so, so again, uh, at, after Engine Yard, I was able to do community and learn about like online, offline community. I mostly just stuck to like developer tools. Yeah. So I was at New Relic for a few years, pretty early through through the IPO. And again, I just love the early days. I love like 10, 20 people, the chaos of it, right? And yeah. it's all that's another thing, right? If you're thinking about kind of entering in tech or, or, or switching jobs. It's like, what environments do you enjoy? Right. The, I mean, startups are quite crazy in some way. Like I worked at a startup that like we were about to run out of money. Like it was like before Christmas time and we were about to run out of money. And then we just like got 19 million in funding. And like, it was just what? like this, like, yeah. Um, and like, there's, that's, a, there's that's just, quite the Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, startups can be quite chaotic, but I really enjoy them because uh, for me, I really love building things from scratch. Uh, so after New Relic, um, I ended up leaving and I was going to take some time off. But Mitchell and Armand were looking for... Uh, founders of HashiCorp were looking uh, for someone to do their first user conference. And so uh, they reached out and I ended up meeting the team. I, I think, I think if I would have known who they like, who they really were and met like the early people, I probably would have never applied for the job. Cause I'm like, I'm in no way smart enough to work here, but I just started like uh, contracting with them and they were just really smart and thoughtful people. Uh, and I got to meet the community at our first like user conference. And I was like, I want to work here. Excellent. Yeah. And that, what year was that? 2015. 2015. Okay. So yeah, only a handful of years after its inception. Yeah. But you got to see the tra trajectory of it, I guess, go up and to the right. Maybe there were some ups and downs in yeah. between. I mean, I got us, uh, I got to watch us go from, yeah, 10 employees to 2,400 employees. I watched us go from zero. Well, we had like a vagrant VMware plugin that was making about a million dollars a year, but like, basically from zero to 250 million in ARR wow. uh, from, you know, open source adoption to transitioning to like enterprise adoption. So it was, it was a pretty cool experience. And I, I think startups are just incredible, right? You learn a lot, you wear many hats. And then of course, as the company grows and scales, right? You have to like learn to like let go of your Legos and yeah. there's things you hold on to and there's things you pass on. And I think I always thought HashiCorp was like just really well run. Like I always thought Mitchell and Armand from the very beginning were just very uh, thoughtful, pragmatic, data-driven, but they always knew what their strengths were and they always knew what they wanted to work on and, and like what they didn't. Yeah. So we were pretty good about like, we brought in Dave McJanet as CEO pretty early on. So we brought him in 2016, okay. ahead of sales in 2016. So I always felt like we brought in the right leadership at the right time. So we were always just like a well-structured, managed company, it felt like. Like just always more mature than I think, like people sometimes, like when we did the first user conference, we were 17 people. People were so surprised, right? Because already yeah. we had uh, four open source. Uh, we, we announced Nomad um, and Auto at that yeah. first conference. I think people were so surprised how small we were, even though like yeah. how quickly we were shipping and kind of how like polished some of our stuff looked. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, definitely. It's, it's on the as an outsider because I didn't know a lot of the server stuff, but I knew to go grab Terraform and, and Vagrant to go do a do a job. Um, but this always is, I just assumed it was this successful. They figured out the enterprise thing, and I could count on it to use later on because yeah. like 
someone's going to keep pulling the levers or, or pushing the code. Uh, and that's usually the trust I need if I'm going to choose an open source thing. Because, uh, yeah, is there a team? Is, is the team going to be around for a bit? Cool. I don't mind installing this thing and having that team installed alongside of me. I think that's a really good point is if you're trying to sell into kind of larger enterprise companies, it's actually the biggest thing I always talk about is building developer trust, yeah. but also building trust in the enterprise. Cause the biggest thing is like, they don't want to start adopting a solution. And then all of a sudden you're not here in a year. Yeah. And so what, what I always tried to do kind of on like the community experiences or the, the customer stuff early days was make us seem kind of a, a little bit bigger than we were. So I always tried to make us a little bit more polished, a little bit nicer, a little bit more professional, even if we were like, but not like throw crazy money at it. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I think that like the perception was really important for like, oh, hey, if, if Capital One's gonna use Vault in production, there needs to be a level of, of trust that we're gonna be here for the next, you know, yeah, 30 years. So the one thing that we did at, uh, at Netlify, because um, I was employee three at Netlify uh, back in the days, Around the same time you joined HashiCorp, I, I joined Netlify. Yeah. On the the sort of about page, normally you have like every single person that's hired for the company, and they made the founders made a conscious decision of removing everyone off the page, oh, including the yeah. founders. Yeah. Uh, and this is, I think around the um, it must have been like right after no before the Series A, but anyway, it was just because they were doing a very big sales contracts, and when people like went to the about page and they're like, oh, there's like four of you here. Like, I don't think I'm going <laughs> to pay yeah. for this enterprise really contract. Yeah. And uh, so they took everyone down and they started selling large enterprise deals, uh, which is like, I'm, I'm sure Matt and Chris would be happy that I, I shared their secret sauce, but you know, it's years later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were to do larger deals because they, we could appear as like we were established further along in our journey than we thought, than most people thought we were. Um, the other thing that we used to did, we'd get on Hacker News like once a month and um, it got to the point where people were complaining because Netlify was so established and they were getting on Hacker News for like small wins when the expectation should be higher. But it was yeah. like, no, it's like literally we invented but, deploy previews and uh, we're only like the six of us in here in this office. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting, right? Because people always ask me, they're like, Yana, what was like the one thing that you did that like really helped you build community? And, and, and I'm like, well, I'm like, how much time do you have? <laughs> But I, I think it was it was just all of it, right? It yeah. all has to like work at the same time. Uh, yes, the technology has to be great. Um, that That's the key, right? But you also need the right messaging, um, great documentation, design that really connects to people. And at HashiCorp, we just never, like, we never took our foot off the gas. We were just so obsessed. We were just so obsessed with like, what we were building, um, like helping the community. Like, it, and so just all the programs we launched early on, we just kept building upon. Yeah. So we never, like, we never slowed down. I think the first five years I was probably doing like 70 hours a week. And, but it was just like, and I think we all were because if we were just like, we just felt the momentum and we just couldn't stop. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, we're still early at open sauce and like thinking about the next people we hire. Um, it, it's not like we're hiring for people who do the 70 hours, but, people who want to be involved and be about something that will be bigger than yeah. like their legacy and like what impact it makes in the industry. And like, that's what I'm currently like we're interviewing for folks. So if you're interested, uh, definitely could use some engineers comment below. Um, <laughs> but like really like how interested are you in this problem? And if you're like, okay, yeah, I touched open source, but like, Hey, have you like 
do you want to see some cool data <laughs> about yeah. contributors and where they, where they live and where they come from and how often are some trends? Like those are all the things that we're working on. Uh, like it's very hand wavy today, but like we'll, we'll have stuff shipped in the next couple months really. Um, but that excitement and that energy, like I joined Netlify because I was an early customer. Yeah. Uh, and I, customer is a stretch. I didn't pay for the, <laughs> the product. I was an early user, uh, but they reached out to me because they were reading my blog on Netlify. And they, I was like writing the blog about developer stuff I was learning. And they're like, oh, we kind of need your skill set that you just learned last week. Why don't you come in for an interview? And that's what I, I, I was going to ask a question about DevRel too as well and how you interacted with like developer advocates and stuff like that. Because uh, like being marketing and customer success, yeah. there's like so much overlap. But then also sometimes it's like, it's like almost two different planes. Uh, so like, did you interact with like, I love, there's so many, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, I wish we could just like hang out all night. <laughs> I, I want to go back to like the importance of like, those early hires. Yeah. Um, cause I, they have a big impact, right. On, on, on culture, on how you ship, who they are gets embedded in the company. Like it's something I didn't think about, but like who I am is embedded in the culture of HashiCorp. Like still to this, like I, I had a call. I mean, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of old HashiCorp people, but they're like, but they're like, Yana, you made your mark, but it's like my personality, who I am. And that, like that just happens, right? Naturally, because like those early folks are writing documentation or processes or helping build culture. Um, and so like the early employees have a big impact. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's, it's yeah, you could definitely hire the wrong people and you'll notice really quickly. And don't... It's okay to fire people. It's okay yeah. to be like, okay, this wasn't right. Like it's, it's, I, I also think sometimes people hold on to people for too long. So yeah, it's, it's a, the thing in startups where it's like, oh, we're all family. Um, we're all in this together. And like the truth is like, so I, I guess I was lucky enough that I moved to the Bay area with my first kid already born, uh, had a family. So I was only loyal to my family. Like I was here yeah, for course. opportunity. And so going to like Netlify or even joining GitHub early days, it's like, yeah, I'm here because I love what y'all are doing. I want to be a part. I will be the face of what this is. Uh, at GitHub, I was like developer advocate, so I was a face of certain features and stuff. Yeah, you were. But at the end of the day, it's like as soon as I have a better opportunity, I will be leaving, and I'll present you with the opportunity. I'll give you a, a head start, which I, I did a few times, uh, people trying to poach me to go other places. But I guess what I'm getting at is like I was able to have something outside of work, but also be as excited to be at work. Uh, so like being able to work from home, but also yeah. still be able to hang out with my kid. Like I did that. So like today... 5 to 9 p.m., it's always family time. After 9 p.m., it's okay to open up the laptop, do an email, write some code. Before, like, 5 p.m., it's all work. I try to show up and do breakfast and get kids out the door. But at the end of the day, like, I, I'm excited about what I'm working on. I just make sure that I'm still excited about other folks as well. And well, I should family. mention that uh, HashiCorp was a pretty mature company. So even yeah. though Mitchell and Armand were pretty young and, and didn't have families yet, everyone else did and so they yeah. so it was a very respectful where it's like oh hey you have to go pick up your kids from school or it's you know five six o'clock it's okay to close your laptop so i yeah. also loved that it was like a healthy culture uh versus okay you're expected to answer email at 10 p.m so it's, it's not like we were expected to work i think we were all yeah. just so excited so when we did have the free like free time we wanted to work on hashicorp yeah. stuff so yeah. So you stayed at HashiCorp through the IPO? Yeah. Uh, I was there for seven years. Uh, yeah. So early 2015 and then left last January after the IPO. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm not a big company person and uh, stakeholder meetings and budget talks. 
are just not my not yeah. my jam. So I just I was for me, I'm just someone that really like wants to be excited by what I'm doing. And I'm just I'm a person that has like a hunger for learning, a hunger for like building things, launching things, passing them on. And I felt like my day to day just felt the same. And so I was like, so I'm doing a disservice to HashiCorp if I stay, even though I'm yeah. like, I could have stayed for another five, 10 years. Like I, I like I could have just coasted. I had a team. I think I had like 40 people by the end, full time, part time. Wow. Like I just things on like on drive, but it's like, for me, I'm like, I'm, I st there's still so much I want to do. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, and now you find yourself back here in San Francisco. <laughs> And uh, it's, it, what's your opinion? Like, is San Francisco back or like people are moving back here? This is where startups are? It's so, yeah, it's interesting. So I, li I lived in San Francisco for nine and a half years. I uh, moved to New York in 2017 just because I was burnt out. I think like, you know, nine years of all, all I did was think and talk about tech, but I'm someone that's multifaceted. I love, I love art. I love going to museums. I love the theater. Um, I love techno house. I just love music in general, live music. And so I think, uh, I moved to New York for a while and I really loved it. Right. I got to like, I was working at HashiCorp remotely, got to close my laptop, got to go see incredible live shows at Brooklyn steel, got to go to the MoMA and like the Met. And so it was, for me, it was really nice, but I, I, I've always missed home. Like yeah. it's interesting to have been in New York and I don't think I was fully plugged into the New York tech scene. So I don't quite, when I left HashiCorp, I kind of looked around and I was like, I'm a bit lonely. Yeah. Because my favorite people are the builders. Like I love being around people that like push me or like, like today I had a call with someone that has a PhD in like federated learning, right? A version <laughs> of like machine learning. And then, and then after I talked to a VP, um, that does like safe, like uh, trust and safety at um, one of the top social companies. So it's like, so for me, I'm like, I get like, I get inspired by people like that. And so I was like, once I switched into venture, I was like, I think I need to go back to San Francisco. Okay. Excellent. I mean, I, I feel like things are picking up steam. I think people are still sort of migrating back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but I love the fact that like, I, so we met uh, a couple weeks ago at a happy hour, you had tweeted out yeah. randomly. So like, that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this, this stuff happening. And I haven't been to all these AI events that have been happening from all these ex-GitHub employees and and uh, who's it, Danny Grossman. Anyway, I the fact that I could just go across the bridge and like hang out with some AI folks and just like be very confused. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I love. My favorite, uh, I mean, this is just an example of SF, right? I, I, it was a couple of months ago where I hosted a meetup. And Theo uh, asked Leah Culver, who uh, worked at Twitter, he's like, hey, you guys changed the emojis uh, that's impacted, you know, the way I use it or the way this community uses it. And she's like, oh, let me fix that. Right. And so it's just like only in, you know, in, yeah. in a city like this, do you get to talk to the people that are like building the products that you use every day? And that's just like a recent example. But it's, it's something I've seen. Um, yeah. So it, it, to me, it feels like San Francisco's back because it's to be able to talk to the people that are like solving similar problems or going through similar things. Like I've been hosting a lot of just kind of like technical founder dinners and events. Yeah. And that's really special, right? To be able to like, you're just ideating or you're kind of a series a, or you're a company that just went public. So to be able to talk to these founders in like these like private settings and, and yeah. get like, they share their experience is like invaluable. And that happens here. Yeah. And that's like it, when I first moved here, we, I worked in engineering at a uh, small startup and we had a hard problem in payments. And the thing that we sort of, we learned is like, why don't we just ask our friends if they've solved this before? Yeah. 
And like just being able to tweet or DM somebody or just like walk down to like Pinterest and be like, hey, let's do like a quick little, uh, I don't know if the office is still open, but do a little quick chat and like, here's our problems. Like, let's see if we can solve this together. Yeah. And uh, I was actually talking to one of the Vercel team members about like React Days. Tom Okino used to have hosted lunches at random Soma tech offices. Uh, and sometimes at Facebook, I didn't go to those ones. It's too far. But just like meet with the React core team. And that's... Yeah, I can't. You can't beat that. No. So I, I'm, and I'm sure like there's there's incredible tech communities all over, but there's there's just always been a magic of San Francisco. But I'm biased because again, I, I started my career. I grew up here. I you know I moved to San Francisco in 2008. So I, I really got to be a part of building iconic companies and got to watch iconic companies get built, right? And you got to just yeah. hang out with them, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're like the. Uh... Well, I don't know. Forrest Gump is not the, the best uh, analogy, but like you're like behind the scenes, you're like you're you're so close to so much of these cool technologies that have been shipped. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing that I've always tried to do it's our careers are long, and yeah. I, I I I think sometimes we forget that, right? Sometimes people are like, and like people are like, oh, Yana, your your job is so nice and cushy, but I'm like, for the first ten years of my career, I had to go into an office every day, and yeah. I had to do really tough like I was icy work for 10 right and then slowly like you know I, I got to like really craft a role and at yeah. Core was really where I was able to craft a role for myself that fit just kind of like exactly who I was um but I think it's it just like imagine your career is long and then also um the connections you make right it's like build deep friendships don't be transactional yeah. um it, it's so cool because I, I just moved back here and I'm like I still have friends from what like 2010 2009 when i first moved here because it's just like be good to people treat people well and like and just know that the community like yes there's a lot of people but it's like the community is also small right yeah. and, and you just don't you never know right you don't never know it's like oh wow i moved back here i'm like well thank goodness i didn't burn any bridges and i like i have friends here like, <laughs> still show your face at the, at the blue bottle <laughs> i didn't like just like burn things down and move to new york so yeah so what what um so you, you talked about a lot of operators tech technologies, founders, what's your most exciting thing that you're seeing right now today? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, what's really cool is, again, I go back to that, like this deep wanting to learn. And so for me, like I've, I've had a pretty incredible career now, right? I've, I've been working in tech for 15 years and I've just switched to venture. Um, but I've never chosen jobs based on kind of Find, like financial gains. Yeah. I've always chosen companies and solving problems based on um, like, do I like the team? Do I feel like this is an yeah. important problem to solve? And am I going to learn something? Yep. And I feel like that's, that's kind of stir like stirred me well. And what's really cool is, so I started angel investing last year. Um, just, I just started deploying my own capital and, and I was like, oh, this is incredible, right? Getting to kind of like work with a bunch of different founders, getting to help them with dev marketing, community building, all that stuff. And then I just joined a fund and the way they presented it to me, the, there's there's four of us on the investment team and the firm's called TQ Ventures. The partners, they were like, hey, Yana, like come sign up for a lifetime of learning. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. That's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that what they're offering me? So I think what I'm personally, what I'm excited about is uh, kind of just like I'm learning finance and accounting and I'm understanding, because again, like I'm like, did I know HashiCorp was going to have a $15 billion IPO? Like, did I like, you know, or did I just kind of like get kind of lucky and choose well? Uh, so it's really but cool. You, but you also have to say like you impacted that too as well. The stuff that you did helped like keep the founders, but also the rest of the team not focused on the stuff that you were excelling at. And I think going back to having the early team and like 
your early team members are the ones that you can trust to go own that space and not have to be like, oh, you know what? <laughs> Customer success is not really there. Marketing's not there. I guess we got to like clean house and turn over folks. Like to be able to have that trust that that person can do the thing. Uh, and then like even me as like currently CEO of open source, like yeah. I can focus now on customer adoption, which is like something I haven't been able to focus upon the last three months. Now I can just hundred percent be like, well, hundred percent, 85% focus on, Hey customer, we've got a product. Here's what we have so far. If we ship this, would you pay for it? Yeah. And that's the conversations with my sales background I can do, but I could never do if I'm sitting there like trying to ship so code. I think you have such a great background. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's quite eclectic. I've, I've picked up a lot of different things along the way. Yeah. And the thing is about when you, me going through this background, but also everyone, anyone listening, you're like, oh man, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I could do that. But like, if you're always moving forward, you like, you, you tend to pick up things and that's why I got the job at Netlify because I'm like, oh, hey, I have a sales background. I actually pitched a 306090. <laughs> no. And <laughs> what was not supposed to be an interview, it was actually supposed to be a coffee. Like, hey, you're, you're a user. Let's talk to you. And uh, I was like, hey, have you all thought about this? And they're like, well, actually, we just got funded um, and we want to hire you. What do you think? And I was like, oh, okay. I completely switched. And I was like, you know what you should do? Okay, I'm going to share more secret sauce <gasps> of Netlify early yeah. days. Uh, I pitched um, basically the traveling salesman, which is an engineering problem, but you literally do that as a salesperson where you pick, you pick a structure and you do it. So I picked 31 in NFL cities and I said, you should pitch every conference, every boot camp, every college and every local meetup. And every time you get a conference talk, do all the other three, or every time you get a meetup, do the other three. And if you don't have all three, manufacture it. So yeah. I would get a talk accepted. I go meet an uh, organizer and be like, hey, this conference is happening. I'm going to be in town representing Netlify. Do you want to move your meetup to the night that I can do it? And they would say yes all the time because every meetup organizer can never find enough speakers. Yeah. So if someone walks in and says, yeah, sure, boot camps, they can never have enough experience engineers in the field talking to boot camp students, always a yes. I'd actually have two or three boot camps in certain cities that I would meet with. Uh, and then I would also meet with like customers and stuff like that and like, that's what I pitched in that coffee meeting. That's what I did when they eventually convinced me to do DevRel. Wow. Um, but that's like the insight I had from sales that I brought into my engineering role. And that turned into developer experience and then turned into my job at GitHub. Yeah, sorry. I didn't it's mean <laughs> no, it's systematizing that. Yeah, that's so smart. It, it is. And it's like, um, and I do get a lot of like, a lot of people get the aha moment. Like, oh, wow, I, I get why you're where you are. And it's because I've always been very much, I, I'm introverted by nature. But I don't mind getting in front of a camera or on stage. Yeah. And I don't mind like elevating somebody else and giving them a platform. So I've always been behind the scenes until I have to be in front. And then as soon as I can find other people to replace me up front, then I could have step, step back. So like at GitHub, we built the DevRel team. I was the first advocate officially at, at GitHub in 2018. But we built a team where like Rizelle, who's been on this podcast, can now be the face of Copilot. And like Mish Manners and Michelle, who's based in Ampac, can yeah. be that person. And then we got other people on the team who can just replace me. And then I was able to be like, oh, okay, I can like orchestrate what the systems are and just do what I wanted to do, which was basically this. I was doing open source Friday interviews with maintainers. And that was, that's the job I left 
that I, I sort of manufactured myself to have during the pandemic. I feel like I should ask you, I, I have this, like this Cafe Yana video series that I'm trying to, so it's like, now I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know you asked to interview me, but now yeah. I'm like, what's the secret sauce? <laughs> the secret sauce? Good... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so the secret sauce is really in this, <laughs> we're gonna wind down, because I know when that sun's getting like crazy hot now. Oh, now you're gonna, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I've just been, but it's, I've just settled into it. Like. Yeah, the secret sauce is like, when you do content and you do like, podcasting or you're trying to get a feature it's not not about the people watching you it's about the person sitting next to you and uh the thing i learned pretty quickly like when i, I did this podcast called this developing story and i would just reach out to random people i looked up to yeah and get like 70 downloads a week it was like nothing but i would make so many good connections to like ryan florence taught me how to do react because i happened to sit next to him in a meetup I'm like hey do you do podcast cool like ken c dodds same thing it's like so I'm at a conference. Hey, do you do podcasts? I got a podcast. And he came on and just did my small podcast. And uh, it's been a friend since and like been also a champion of like what I did and how I got to where I'm at. And like countless amount of people who like championed me because I'm just like, hey, I've got this random podcast that I host on Netlify. Do you want to come on board? And like you talk to me about it. It was like three questions. Who are you? What do you do? And how did you get there? And like the last question is what I cared about. The other stuff is like everyone's cared about and what the person I was sitting next yeah. to cared about. And uh, that's that's the secret. It's like just have a platform and be friendly, but the platform is not the the, the game. It's just basically have a way to interact with people that you want to talk to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we, we knew each other from only, I think we crossed paths in remote world. Uh, so when, when you came out here, I was like, oh yeah, let's, let's meet IRL. And then you came to the happy hour. Yeah. Like I love that. That was. Yeah. And it's, uh, and you have you have an, an infectious personality, and I know if people know who you are, they're like, oh, I want to know who Yana is because oh, Yana knows but people I, feel, I know. I feel the same way about you. Yeah. Like we're like, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> like, I, wow, I, you were just very kind and smart, and like, yeah, I, I try. Great yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, you coming out, doing the conversation, and sitting in the hot seat. Yeah. And uh, folks, stay saucy. Thanks so much. <laughs> The Secret Sauce of the Podcast produced in-house by OpenSauce, the open source intelligence platform, providing insights by the slice. If you're in San Francisco and interested in being a guest on the show, find us on Twitter at SauceOpen. And don't forget to check out OpenSauce at opensauce.pizza.